Hey, you. You're listening to youwithoutyourhead.com, and this is Michael Berryman. Don't touch that dial. the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. That would make me terrible, Troy. And treacherous Trista. Yes, and we're joined by actor, singer, cabaret performer, and many other things. We have Suze Lanyer Bramlett on the line. It's very cool to have you here. Welcome. Nice beer. Yes. Yeah. I love your music. That's oh, great. thank you. It's by I the Tomb of Nick Cave. my friends on the roll. <laughs> I know everybody on the roll practice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And eventually when I update it, uh, you will be up there as well. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Who wrote the song? Actually? Um, the Tomb of Nick Cage. Uh, it's an independent band out of New Orleans, and uh, they did our theme song. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's great. Yeah, they, they, they do my, some good stuff. My son was a, uh, is the guitar player for 45 Grave and uh, oh, wow. was the guitar player for the Dickies for a while. So. Oh, nice. nice. So uh, music runs in the family. It sure does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which was like, uh, what was your first pursuit? Was it acting or music? Uh, definitely acting, acting. But it kind of went together. I was writing songs when I, I, I remember my first song I wrote, uh, I was uh, probably about 12. It was really bad. I I don't even, I had a crush on a boy named Mike and it, and it was called I Like Mike. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I know what the song is about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I've always been musical. I took um, piano lessons for five minutes, but I was always jamming on the piano. We had a piano in the house, and my uh, grandparents were musical, so, and so was my mother. So, Interesting. So, ran in the blood, and then I married Delaney Bramlett, and, you know, he's in the Blues Hall of Fame, so... He wrote Superstar and Let It Rain with Eric Clapton and, you know, many, many rock hits. So um, we were married and together for many years. So until he passed away in 2008. So oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, thank you. But I've been working, you know, that keeps me off the street. <laughs> right, yeah. So what are you working on currently? Uh, we usually end with that, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, right now is a weird time, but. Right now is a really weird time. So I turned down a project in Bulgaria. I was supposed to be in Moscow when the pandemic hit doing a uh, horror festival. They were presenting me with a Lifetime Achievement Award in Moscow. And I'm so glad that um, at the last minute I just said, you know, I don't feel like I should go on this trip. And um and then all hell broke loose, and then, and, you know, and I wow. didn't go. And so I, uh, and the thing was canceled because it hit Moscow too. So uh, anyway, um, I have um, 
two projects coming out. One is a comedy sitcom that Amazon Prime is looking at. And then another is a, um, I, I have actually photographed, uh, filmed a horror mini web series here in my house called Red Rooms uh, with Brooke Lewis and um, uh, Josh Butler is the director and creator of it. And um, so because I can do lighting and camera angles and stuff, I set it up and um, had to chain myself to a chair and uh, I play a senator and then, and then for you the know. performance, this isn't yeah, just performance. So I'm having to be the crew, the makeup, the lighting, the camera, everything. You got to do it all these days, baby. <laughs> It was interesting. I saw about uh, Red Rooms because uh, we're actually having uh, Brooke Lewis on in, in a couple weeks, and uh, it was cool that you're both, uh, you know, working on something together. Well, she's a producer. She's coming over tonight for dinner. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we're gonna stay outside and and um, and, you know, so, sh- social distance. Right. But I have all my outdoor set up for a couple of people to come over at a time and feel safe. She's a hoot, and I, I really liked doing her project. She's yeah. she's a go getter. She has a lot more energy than I do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've done a lot of comedy and, you know, you've done horror. Like, uh, are you a fan of both? And uh, did you uh, would you approach each one differently? Yeah. You know, with comedy, I always got to wait with playing kind of dumb. And, you know, in the hills have eyes. I, I, I got to be, even though I was playing 16, I was able to be intelligent, you know, and figure out how to kill people and stuff and, and survive. And so um, uh, comedy, I always kind of played a little sketchy or a little dumb or a little drunk or something, you know. I love both. I did stand-up comedy with George Carlin on TV, uh, the Tony, yeah, on, on the Tony Orlando and Dom show. We were teamed up um, in the 70s. So I did stand-up, I do cabaret, so I, I incorporate all of it in my cabaret show that I was doing uh, about a year before the COVID. I stopped to write, do some writing, but um, I write music all the time, and um, I love being able to incorporate all of them in my one-woman show, which is rock, comedy, horror, and, you know, music. So That's very impressive. I would like to see that. It, it, I had a nice following here in LA. Uh, nobody has a following now, you right. know. Unfortunately, I did, yeah. unfortunately, and I hope I hope it's I hope it's not something we have to get used to. I got a video the the other day that was sent to me, and um, it was some country singer, and it said, and it was about keeping Austin weird. And all the old dives, you know, like the Armadillo World Headquarters and all those places that I've spent a lot of years drinking and listening to music, you know, um, they weren't, they were all boarded up out of business. I mean, give me a dive and forget the Beverly Hills Hotel or, you know, the Bel Air Hotel. I don't, I I could care less. I like a good sleazy dive and, um, and, and a brew or, you know, drink or something and listen to music. That's You know, yeah, I, I know uh, here in Massachusetts and Boston, a lot of the uh, the old um, dives and places people played, you know, for decades, or a lot of them are going out of business, and uh, you know they're historic. You know, a lot of people, you know, got their start there, and and still, you know, still would play, but uh, with no help to them or anything, and not being able to 
to have business, they've gone out of business and probably won't be reopening. It's heartbreaking. It really is. I, I just had a birthday and I made, you know, I, I never have done that charity thing, the donation thing on my birthday on Facebook. But I did this year for Music Cares because all of my musician friends are literally starving and being evicted and uh, they can't live. You know, a lot of them live gig to gig. And so it's uh, it, it just breaks my heart to see that I, it breaks my heart that I can't go hear people play, you know, because I'd rather be in a bar than just about anywhere, you know. When you said, uh, you know, in um, Hills of Eyes, you got to play, uh, you know, your character was smart. Was that part of the what interested you in the role? No, what interested me in the role, to be honest, is that I wanted to star in a movie. And Wes Craven asked me to star in the movie. And I'd done a lot of television, lots and lots of guest star roles on television. And when I, when Wes Craven and Peter Locke offered me the lead in The Hills Have Eyes, my agent told, told me not to do it. That horror would ruin my life and ruin my career. And you're an idiot if you do it. And... Um, I just said, you know, I really like, I had met with Wes and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a star then. He wasn't as. Yeah. I was going to say he wasn't Wes Craven yet. You know, he was was a really nice, really cool guy. And, and, and I liked him and, and I, I just thought, you know, I'm going to do this movie. And if it, it's a bomb, then it, so be it. You know, Um, I've also always done a lot of theater and I figured, well, if they kicked me off of TV, I'll just go back to the stage and move back to New York. You know, so it, it didn't really matter. But I, um, I'm so glad I did The Hills Have Eyes, you know, and, and decided to do it. Because I think that's something that some people uh, today don't think about, that like uh, uh, doing a horror movie could have been bad, like uh, for your career. Because, you know, people we've interviewed, Ken Free said, you know, doing Dawn of the Dead, everyone loves it now. But at the time, like, people saw it as like one step up from doing like a dirty movie. And like you said, it really actually did hurt his career. You know what? I don't think um, they either wanted me or not. I I worked after the Hills have eyes on television. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody paid much attention to it. I didn't have to put it on my resume. If I didn't want to, they couldn't go to IMDB. (laughs) So they couldn't look me up and say, you know, let's see all the scuzzy things she's done. (laughs) So, which were plenty, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I don't think it really hurt anything. And I was getting more into music anyway. And I, I, um, I would drift back and forth from careers right now. I'm doing before COVID. I, I was doing more um, acting than music. Um, but now that COVID's hit, I can go in the studio and just, do music and I, and I don't have to wait for a job and I don't have to be around a crew or a cast. And, um, they don't, I, everybody's very nervous about going back on set and I'm at an age where, you know, I, I'm not wild to go work on a set being surrounded by a ton of people. So, um, you know, I, I either, what did, what did he say? It is what it is. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I, I've got to wait it out <laughs> or, you know, know for sure that, that the money's good enough for me to risk something like that. Yeah. 
Which is more fulfilling for you, doing the music or, or acting? Or are they uh, similar? Not, you know, money-wise or anything, just like uh, you personally. You mean if I had to pick one? Yeah, just like uh, for a creative outlet, uh, which would be more fulfilling to well, you? Music. I'm, I'm going to pick music because um, I, and I've had a more successful career in acting than I have music. Mm -hmm. But in terms of rewarding and being on stage with my band and being in a club somewhere and just standing up there and being myself and talking about whatever I want and sing the songs I want, it, it's, it's really fun. Nobody can say that it's not a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a ton of fun. Acting, um, you're sitting in a trailer and you're waiting for your time to be called to the set and you can't mess up. You've got to really keep those lines. It's real hard work. And, you know, I think people think that most people who haven't done a lot of acting think it's, think it's really easy. And it's not that easy. I mean, it's, it's, it's work. And, and you have to, you know, learn how to match what you did on the last take and hit your mark and pick up the blood over. I, I you know, I was on a set. Um, oh, no solicitors with Eric Roberts and John Callis was the director. And um, they, this one actor could not, put the blood on the desk. I'm playing a nurse. And this one actor couldn't figure out to put the blood in the same place for every take so that everything would match. And, and you know, it's like hard work. I mean, you know, I didn't blame him. He was nervous. He hadn't done that much. And so, you know, it, that was a lot of, um, um, dis, you know, a lot of, the director wasn't thrilled. And so, you know, you've got to, hear all that i've worked with some pretty tough directors too and he's john callis is great he's, he's not tough but i've worked with some really tough directors that'll yeah. scream and scream at you so which is easier to not maybe not easier but what you think is more effective someone who is like hard on you or someone who's uh i guess there'd be a medium if, if they're too easy going they may you might not actually help you well, I love creative input. You know, I, I love to know that I am giving the director what they want and why they cast me in that part. I'm very, very serious about my work. And if you cast, if, if somebody casts me to do a role, I want to make sure that I'm giving them what they asked for on low budget. They don't have the budget to do it over and over again. So the first time I do it, I go, is that what you want? And I want them to tell me. And if they want something else or they go, you're way off or whatever, you know, that doesn't, you know, usually you have a good idea, but even in low budget, you don't have a lot of time to rehearse. So you better get it right. And so, yeah, I'd rather them be, you know, uh, let me know exactly what they want. So I, I don't like working with uh, people that are wishy-washy. You know, I do what you want. You know, you, I want to know what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like picking a restaurant. Do you want to go to Davina Schnitzel or do you want to go to, uh, you know, Maggiano's? Right. <laughs> I used to make a really good uh, Davina Schnitzel, actually. I haven't made it in a while. Really? Yeah. It's very similar. No one will care about this, but it's very similar to making chicken parmesan. It's the same. It's different, but it's the same idea. You, instead of uh, instead of chicken, it's pork, and you got to flatten it out, get it nice and tender. And then it's the same technique, but uh, different sauces and, and, and seasoning. 
I don't know why you don't think anyone would care. That's kind of interesting. I like that. Yeah. Well, I think people think Wiener Schnitzel is like a sausage, but it isn't. Uh, I'm half German and half Italian, so they're, they're, they go together, I guess. But again, no one cares about that. But the. Care? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Care, Neil. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, what was Wes Craven actually like? Uh, you know, you said he was a cool guy when you met him. What was he like on set? He, he knew what he wanted, you know. I, he was working against the clock. We didn't have a big budget. And so he was very, um, effect, you know, he was very artistic. And, and um, I, I was kind of invited in to see dailies into the hotel rooms. We shot it in Victorville, California. I was one of, I think, the only one that was invited into the rooms to watch dailies. And um, he was... He was a dream. I mean, he, Wes is, a, he was just so nice. And, and until he passed away, I kept up with him through the years. Um, uh, if we did, um, uh, we did a, not, I don't think he went to a convention. We did a, sh- a, a couple of Hills Have Eyes events where we were together again. And he was always such a gentleman, you know. Uh, and that, that was after he became Wes Craven. Right. Which, uh, you know, uh, we had people on who, who say opposite, you know, not about Wes Craven, but other people, you know, like once they became famous, they didn't talk to the cast anymore. So it's good. It's good to know that Wes was, uh, Wes was a good guy. Oh, yeah. No, he was very warm. He was very warm to all of us. I, we've done some Hills Have Ice conventions, you know, and Michael and I, I mean, I, ta- I talked to Michael yesterday. You know, I talked to Michael Behrman like maybe once a week. We're like brother and sister now. And so um, uh, he was my neighbor. He's moved to Florida. I live in Calabasas, California. And and I'm so sad that he moved to Florida. But we have kept up our communication. I I literally talk to him almost once a week. And so um, um, the whole cast was pretty tight. Dee Wallace lives around uh, close to me. And... Um, you know, we've all, it, it, and that's kind of weird because a, a lot of television shows and other films I've done, the cast has not stayed in touch, but this one we have. Yeah. Was and that got, right after the movie you stayed in touch or was it later on when you started to do conventions that you guys uh, get back together? It was later on. Now I would see D sometimes at the manicurist, mm-hmm. you know, not now. I'm okay. I had to do my own. <laughs> Uh, I cut my uh, own hair now, too. And, but I just did a movie with Dee's uh, daughter, Gabrielle Stone, mm-hmm. called Cut. I don't know if you've seen it. I read I about it. I, I You have seen it. Oh, wow. It yeah, really you had that great line that you won the award for. I love that line. Any, any idiot with a digital camera can call themselves a filmmaker. It's an amazing <laughs> line. Tristan, you are good, girl. I can't believe you remembered that line. Yes, I did. Great line. Please tell your story. Well, you know, it it was great because, um, you know, I'm playing. First of all, if you if you like horror and you have not seen that movie, I found that movie to be very well made and also very scary. And so, uh, it's a thriller. And I also, I, I went and saw it with my manager. So I'm not just prejudiced about the fact that I'm in it. I, it's like, 
boy, you better not get up and go to the bathroom because you're going to miss or go get popcorn because you're going to miss it. You have to really follow it. And, and, um, and the ending is weird as hell. And so, uh, anyway, I play Susan Lanier, um, a filmmaker, grown-up, former child star of The Hills Have Eyes or teenage star of The Hills Have Eyes. And Dee's biological daughter, Gabrielle Stone, is my leading lady. And so um, we did that movie about four or five years ago. I can't keep up. And um, I, uh, I became very good friends with Gabrielle. So, uh, so I go to some of their parties and things like that via, uh, via Gabrielle um, because we had such a good time working together. She's a wonderful actress, too. Uh, I, I, I unfortunately haven't seen it, but uh, when I was reading about it, it, said, it sounded very meta, like that you, you know you play uh, basic yourself, and then uh, Dee Wallace's daughter is in it. Sounds very interesting. It's, it's a good movie. Um, um, I thought it's very well made, directed by, written, I think, too, by David Roundtree. And um, that was a fun movie um, to do. I don't have a huge role in it, but I like playing myself as, a, you know, whatever. You know, it, it's what a stretch to play yourself. <laughs> yeah. Is that hard, though, to actually play yourself in a movie? Um, no. I, no. David is a really nice guy, too. He, he made being on that set uh, really fun. Yeah. So it, was a fun, it was a fun gig. How did you meet him? Uh, did you know before the, the movie? We have the same manager, Eileen O'Farrell. She also had recommended Gabrielle for the part. And so um, she, I, I don't know if she was actually involved in casting. A lot of uh, careers overlap a little bit, but I know that um, she's the one who pitched me to David and he, he went for it. And I, she's a, not only my manager, but also a dear, dear friend, like a sister. And so um, um, uh, I think that's, that, that's how that happened. Mm -hmm. And, and um, David uh, teaches acting here in L.A., and he has a studio, so it's kind of easy for him to – he's got all the equipment and everything. Yeah. So uh, when is uh, Red Rooms uh, – when is that going to be available? It, it's still in post, uh -huh. and I'm not sure exactly when it's going to be available. It's – if it if it takes off, it's going to be a really really fun project. I mean, it will be aired and people will be able to see it. If it becomes um, when it I'll say I should say when it becomes a series, um, it's going to be a lot of fun because uh, I don't like to um, in in this particular one I play a senator, so I'm very you know dressed up and. Um, but believe it or not, I really like to play very seedy, no makeup, you know, homeless, you know, all people. And so, you know, um, that, that I, I really love to get funky and, you know, and a lot of people don't give me that opportunity. So I, um, I get, I get to be, suggest some of the characters I would like to create for the project. So. It's very interesting. I can't give it away because, yeah. I, yeah, but it's um, I I I'm I'm looking forward to it happening. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people tell me right now, um, series is, is a good way to go because there's so many 
platforms out there that need content and uh, the series is longer than, you know, than a feature or a short. Well, red rooms are, are, are kind of short, you know, I find that's another thing that's good today though, because a lot of people have a short attention span. I was going to just say that you're reading my mind. (laughs) You're reading my mind. Um, um, even I have a short attention span. And when I go, uh, I think um, there was somebody doing some YouTube thing today and, and, and it caught my attention. I thought, well, I'll check that out. And I went, okay. And she's reading her feed, like how many people are coming up and, and how many, well, we're going to start it in a minute. Let's see. Oh, hi, Sherry. Blah, blah, blah. I went, Screw you. <laughs> Go out of here. I'm not watching that shit. Like this Start already, okay? I want to hear the damn thing. I don't want to watch you watch you there. You know, that is yeah. dumb. And I I just don't have the attention span to to uh to stay there. If if you can't get me in a couple of seconds, I'm gone, you know. Yeah, especially, you know, today there's so many things to watch or, you know, yeah. put your attention on. So yeah, you have so to grab people options. right away. So many options. Just say, next, next, you know. Did, did, did you know that the Hills Have Eyes had like a, a following uh, right after you did the movie or was it, you know, later on with the internet and, and, the, um, and the conventions? Well, the Hills Have Eyes started having a following fairly quickly mm-hmm. and uh it was not a box office hit when it was released uh, i did a tour with wes and peter Locke uh around the united states to um talk about it and i was on some tv shows and stuff like that uh but it it didn't really um it, it played in a lot of drive-ins let's put it that way and thank God it did, because I'll tell you a tiny little quick story. I played in the drive-in in Van Nuys or something, California. And um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I never saw it in a drive-in. But um, one night, my girlfriend, right after it was released, my girlfriend said, let's go to the Troubadour and hear Delaney Bramlett play. And her husband was in his band. He played um, a trumpet, Daryl Leonard, who's played with everybody. And um, Taj Mahal, I mean, name them. I mean, the Rolling Stones, everybody. So we went to the Troubadour, and um, Delaney was on stage, and she said, we got to walk by the stage and say, let Daryl know we're here. We're both kind of, you know, not, not totally straight, you know, at the time. So she walks by the stage and goes, hey, we're here, and Delaney sees me. And he walks down off the stage and he says, uh, what's your phone number? I saw you in a movie last night and I'm going to marry you. And I went, I have a boyfriend. Who are you? And he goes, I don't care. I don't give a shit. What's your phone number? And, and I, I said, well, that kind of balls. I've got to check this out. So <laughs> anyway, the drive-in version of The Hills Have Eyes um, got me my husband. And so, you know, The Hills of Eyes has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. Forget acting career. I'm talking about personal, life-enriching experiences of relationships and my personal life. And he ended up being a 
fabulous uh, stepfather to my son. So, and, and taught me music and, and his life was so exciting too. And, and we were just a great team. And had I not made the Hills of Oz, I, the, the chapter, the whole journey would have been different, maybe better, but it could have been a lot worse, <laughs> you know? So you never know what one thing is going to lead to the next. And it's not all, I'm, in my opinion, life is not just about my career. You know, life is about many things and giving back and helping people and, and, and um, um, you know, not just being self-involved with, I know some actors that all they care about is their next job. You know, I figure if I'm supposed to have it, they'll give it to me. And if I, if I, if I'm not supposed to have it, then I didn't need to do it. So, so Yeah. Along those lines about like giving back, I was watching an interview you did and you talked about, um, you know, producing a lot of uh, things uh, for women and being involved in the, the women's movement, you know, since like the late 60s and, and 70s. It's mm-hmm. uh, so something to talk about and like, um, uh, how, how do you think that's changed over the years till today? Because obviously it's something uh, very topical now. I uh, was Gloria Stein's assistant in the 70s on a TV show called Woman Alive for PBS and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting out of New York. And uh, I learned a lot about production by working with her. And um, women were very empowered at that time. This was the early 70s, maybe 1972. And we were burning our bra and marching for choice, which had not started yet and for equality and in uh it's hard to believe and a lot of people question me when i say this but i feel that our society as a whole were more evolved in that era than what they've become and it makes me very very sad because yeah, there was always me too and people trying to get in your pants for a job or whatever, you know. But it it didn't seem so much of a it didn't it wasn't that prevalent and and so I feel like women have lost some of their um power by letting society become a Kardashian mentality, which to me is rather demeaning um, as a woman. Yes, they're great business people perhaps, but how did they, how did they get there? You know, and what are they selling? And it's all about the external qualities rather than the intellectual and the, you know, the productive part of life. And, you know, everybody loses their looks. I don't care who they are. You know, I mean, everybody's going to change and get older. And, and so if that's all it's about, it wasn't like that in the early 70s. I mean, we were empowered and we were, and it wasn't a question of if you go to college. I went to NYU. You go to college. You do the best you can. And, and I really feel like, um, I, I, I feel like the society has digressed and hopefully if things, if we get a strong woman ever to be in the, um, in political power, uh, maybe it'll evolve back. But for right now, I feel like, um, hard does the same thing, you know, but 
my thing about horror, I, I do, I do lecture some of the young girls in horror. If you're just going to be the victim, and if you're, you're just going to be, allow people to slaughter you or cut off your breasts or whatever, it better be with a sense of humor, even in horror, because I think it's totally demeaning, you know, to, um, even if it's for an art project, I think that you have to be careful about what you allow people to think of you as a woman. Interesting. Um, did, did you turn down any roles because of that? Like, you know, after Hills of Eyes? Yeah, I turned down a lot of roles because uh, I thought, oh no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that kind of a victim. You know, I usually, I, I don't play victims very well because I don't feel like a victim. So I'm not very believable as one. You know, I, I'm a very tough, I'm pretty tough. And, and so, and, and people say that about me. I don't care. You know, uh, I, I take it as a big, huge compliment. You know, they'll go, you are tough. I go, yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so I'm not afraid of, um, you know, I'm not afraid to speak my mind and, and talk back to anybody, you know, it, life is short and you better, you know, um, Say what you mean. Yeah. Uh, Trissa, do you have a question? I'm sorry to take all the questions. No, don't be sorry at all. I am so impressed by your questions and your answers that I do have a question, but, but most of my questions uh, have been covered by your insights already. And um, I actually, I, I already can't wait to watch this back and and listen to the profundity of your words again. Thank you for speaking uh, from your heart and your truth. I really appreciate it. Thank um, you. That being said, I just uh, I, I'm all I really have left is um, how did you wind up uh, being cast in The Hills Have Eyes? But I think you covered that. All right, did you cover that? I think she just said you know she liked West, but I don't know like uh, seen why they picked her. Wes and Peter, oh, the casting director, Gus Shermer and Carol Propp knew my work from Welcome Back, Cotter, because I played John Travolta's girlfriend on Welcome Back, Cotter. And um, they, I think, were looking for somebody who could play 16 believably. I was a little older than 16, of course, but I still looked 16. And so... um, Carol Prop had, um, she was, uh, she's still a big talent person here in town. Um, she had recommended me for the role and I got into the meeting and it was a, kind of an immediate thing. I think they'd seen me on television. And so it wasn't a huge audition process. I did some improv with Wes in an office building. I think it was 9200 Sunset. And um, it was pretty much a done deal, you know. I had also just starred at the Amundsen Theater with Richard Chamberlain and Dorothy McGuire, Raymond Massey, um, and uh, Tennessee Williams was one of the producers. It was a huge credit, and I'd play the Sue Lyon role. Um, And um, I think that people knew I could act by being able to star at the Amundsen Theater in L.A., you know. I, I had a pretty strong theater background by the time I got here. And I started very young. I, I joined Equity when I was 17 years old. Um, 
I've always wanted to ask someone this. I don't know if you'd have any insight or not, but do you know if Wes Craven himself was like into booby traps and survival? Because I've noticed like it is a theme in a lot of his movies. It's in <laughs> Hills of Eyes. It's in uh, Last House on the Left. It's in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, oh, you're right. It's in Nancy a lot of them. He does it on Freddy. Yeah, he does. It's, it's in many. <laughs> is he a real life booby trapper? Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we never really talked about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> thought about it much. I mean, he said, "Get on the car and pull the, you know, start, <laughs> right. the, chain, start the chain up." So I never really um, thought about Wes that way. I, uh-huh. I didn't see all of his movies. If, right. if I had to watch something, I'd rather watch. I don't know, Bridget Jones diary or something that's lighter and not quite so, you know, heavy. Um, um, I, when I was a young girl though, I loved all the Vincent Price uh, movies. And um, I thought, I, I just was in love with the Vincent Price pit in the pendulum. And also um, I went to school with Anne Rice's um, oh. brother, younger brother-in-law. And so I love Anne Rice's work. You know, I, lo- I love Interview with a Vampire and, and, and vampire things. That, that to me is, is really fun. Torture and horror and, and torture, anything torture kind of thing. I, I can't, it's, it's hard for me to watch it. Even, even Law and Order SUV, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, I like the show, but it, it when it gets to, you know, tense I, I turn it off because i you know why watch it when you know people are blowing up in beirut right yeah you know? supposedly they're doing a uh, a series i think on hbo um from the Anne rice novel similar to how they did game of thrones where you know each season would be like a novel and they're gonna do that with the Anne rice uh, i sure would like to be a part of that and i would love to be cast in something of hers because- awesome i think they're doing the whole vampire chronicles right? yeah yeah, awesome idea. So, um, when you're when you're doing the scene with Michael Berryman, uh, the the rape scene, what what's like the um, what's the vibe uh, on set for something like that? For something that is, you know, okay, I'm going to tell you the story. It was the very first scene filmed. Oh wow! Let's have eyes. Was the rape scene, and I think Wes just wanted to get it out of the way and to see how it goes. And Michael was very nervous about. Uh, freaking me out because, you know, he's born, you know, looking a little bit different and uh, maybe he was insecure. I don't know. And so I, um, so Wes had warned me that, that he might be a little nervous about doing it. And so while nobody was watching, I said, Michael, come here. And I said, "Um, listen, when Wes calls, calls action, don't be raping me. Let's be making out like, really hardcore and and he goes really and i said yeah let's just be making out and for a joke and so you know pete somebody one of the grips or whatever pulls the curtain and west goes action and so michael and i are you know we're just making out to beat the band and um west the everybody cracked up and west went into hysterics and um and i know it was a waste of film but it completely broke the ice. It was the first take of the whole shoot. And he thanked me a million times for doing that because it broke, you know, it just made it all 
easy after that. And it made Michael so comfortable, you know, mm -hmm. to go ahead and, and commit to the scene. Yeah. So he didn't have to hold back anymore. Right, yeah. This brings to mind, is Michael Berryman a good kisser? <laughs> yes. Very good. <laughs> Very good, yeah. I can't remember that far. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, I got a question here in the chat room. Joe uh, wants to know, uh, Suze, what was it like working with John Ritter? Was he as generous a person uh, and actor, as people say? I didn't get a chance to know him so well um, because I'd lost three days of rehearsal because I was in the desert doing pickups for The Hills Have Eyes. The girl who'd been cast as Chrissy had been released. And so I had to run to ABC and had big cube cards where I crammed for my screen test. And um, I only had three days to rehearse my lines as Chrissy and shoot before a live audience. So I didn't get a whole lot of time uh, off to be able to develop any kind of relationship with John Ritter. He was fine. I happened to be to this day extremely good friends with John Ritter's ex-wife, Nancy Ritter, and all three of his children. So, um, and now if he were alive, he would be a proud grandpapa. And um, uh, so I'm very close to his family. And David Morgan, his ex-wife's brother, um, is and I and his whole family, they're all in my band and they're all very musical. Oh. So I not only work with John back then, but I work with John's brother-in-law in my band, David Morgan and Alicia Morgan, his wife, are in my band. And I love that family so much, I can't tell you. So I never really got to know John too well. well what kind of genre of music do you, does your band like to play? Blues, swamp, swampy blues, and some funny stuff, and then some very sad stuff. And my husband uh, wrote Superstar, you know, uh, that the Carpenters made famous. So I usually throw that one in just to dedicate to him. And um, um, kind of rock, bluesy rock. I, I um, a couple of years ago, was invited to Florida at B.B. King's to, to sing with the Ladies of the Blues. So I do blues. Oh, wow. That's with a little rock and... Little rock and uh, humor to it too yeah and you can see by the way michael bearman and i on my youtube channel Suze linear bramlett oh, nice. i have a song called watch what you ask for and uh it's a song i wrote all the words in music and michael bearman stars in it with me with brooke lewis as miss vampy and um uh well kind of she plays a vampire, and uh, it's a, it's my music, and we did that about I don't know uh, a few years ago, um, and shot around Malibu. I just it was shot pretty much with an iPhone, I think, or not. You know, mm -hmm. we did it in a day and a half, and uh, but it's pretty funny. So if your audience wants to see me and Michael play again, and I and you know it's pretty bloody. And it's um, um, with a lot of comedy. So, so it's, oh, it, yeah. I just played the victim. Uh -huh. All right. <laughs> it has a twist ending. What? It has a twist ending, too. It does have a twist ending. It does. It does. So that gives you an idea of the kind of music, horror kind of comedy music I do. So, yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we've had Michael Berryman on a, a bunch of times. He's one of my favorite guests, but not since uh, Trista's joined. So it'd be cool. Uh, we'll have to get him back sometime. Yeah, maybe us together sometime. That would, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. He's a very funny guy, very nice guy, as you mentioned, and uh, yeah. he's on the same political side of all of us, which is always a, a good thing on the, on the show. And by the way, I always keep it handy. Very good. I, I, I walk a lot, and I have mine with me. So I don't have it down here. I'm in my basement. Neil <laughs> yeah. so, had his on today. I did. Yes, yeah, I, I was did. with him. Yes. It's, so, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We got to do and it's something. Su it's such a simple thing to ask people to do. I don't know why it has to be such a big deal. Look, this is it, right? And so I go out and I walk the dog or whatever, right? If if and and it's right here, ready to go. That's exactly how I have mine. And then and there's a lot of places I go. There's no one. And if I see someone off in the distance, I just pull it up. Right. And if you know what, and. If, somebody's at the door, I can just do this. You know, if they surprise me, drop off or whatever, I just do this. It's not bad. I'm still cute. Look. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. But that adds some mystery. I like it. Yeah. I, so, you know, <laughs> in my neighborhood in Calabasas, there are people fighting on the Facebook city of Calabasas page about a damn mask, you know, it's like it's such an easy little thing to do and to save hundreds of thousands of lives, not a thousand lives, hundreds of thousands of lives for people my age, you know, and much younger and much older. And it's such a courteous, easy thing to do. What is wrong with people? I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats. Yeah, you know? I don't know why it even had to be politicize it all i mean if it saves lives put it on for god's sake and there's a woman that lives in my community make me i went well i can't make you put on a mask but we can just go forever and not have the kids return to school and we can go forever and not ever get to go to a restaurant again bitch you know <laughs> If that's what you want. <laughs> Frankly, I like them. I can't believe I was letting people breathe on me before. I know. <laughs> exactly, Tristan. I am never going without a mask again. No. <laughs> if you think I would ever go to a grocery store again without doing this, uh-uh. No, I must prefer it, frankly. I, I, like, I actually had some before this, so I was prepared because I walk a lot, so I had them because I would get cold. But uh, yeah, it's not a it's not a big deal, and I I wear exactly like those ones. You just wear them around your neck and pull them up, and and then uh, if no one's around, you can pull it down think, for a little bit. It's not a big deal. I think some people are resistant because they think it's like a burka or something like that. And and I was thinking the other day, man, those people had it. They had it going way before this. I mean, they knew how to stay away from the germs. Those women were pretty smart. I mean, I forget religion. You know, mm -hmm. just cover it up, and you're not going to get germs. And Maybe that was what was behind it. I don't know. You know, my grandmother survived the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. And she always, when I was growing up, I never saw her without gloves, either driving or in public. And I really believe that it wasn't just a fashion statement now. I believe it was that she got used to, she was in her probably late teens during the Spanish flu. And I think they got used to covering their hands for germs, you know. They didn't have Pharrell back then. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I've told people if you don't like wearing the mask, you're really not going to like a respirator if you have to have one. It's a lot worse. Yeah. I've had one uh, when I was sick of several years ago, and it's not a good time. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, I've lost a, a lot of friends to COVID already. I've lost some dear friends already. And it's very real, and it, it's no hoax. And, and um, why people can't, you know, put a little something over their mouth. I don't, I don't you got to cover your eyes too. Fauci is, um, uh, we haven't emphasized that so much, but I have things, if I go out, well, I wear sunglasses if I go outside. Yeah, I, anyway. I do too, but yeah. But if I go to the grocery store and I, and you know, it's hard to see sometimes if your glasses are too dark, I have clear shield glasses to put over my eyes because um, he um, told my friend, because he's really good friends with one of my dear friends, um, that the eyes are really, really important to cover too. And, um, and that it's, it might be more like 13 feet rather than six feet, but I'm not supposed to say that. Yeah, but, I've read the same thing about the, the distance. And yeah. that was another thing that there's some really, I didn't know people believed in such like crazy uh theories but i've seen like the sick stuff i actually blocked someone the other day because it was just so he was saying that it's making people worship satan like because masks are satanist and then six feet times three it's like six i was like come on man you can't actually believe this and it was just and, and i see people sharing this kind of stuff and it's like i i know i just can't fathom that someone would would believe that well illiteracy runs rampant in the country and so you know i i really just feel those people are kind of illiterate and didn't get enough education they need to go back to school you know it's it's pretty sad for somebody to twist it that way when the unfortunate thing is those people are the least likely people to do that right like angry people that don't realize that they're wrong mm -hmm. Right. Um, well, you know, it'll be sad that they have to learn the lesson when somebody close to them uh, is affected badly. And, you know, I'm, and personally, I'm not as, um, yes, I am very much afraid of it, but I'm also afraid of the residual effects. And, the, and you know, it affects, this, it affects the brain and the heart. And they say now uh, largely the kidneys. And um, uh, so... We don't even know how long it, you know, just because you test negative, they don't even know if it's still in there or not, you know, working its little way around or whatever. So I don't know why people are so cavalier about it. I don't know either. I live with a doctor who worked um, in the COVID unit and, um, you know, there's certainly nothing cavalier about that. Is he okay? She is fine, yeah, but it's uh, uh, very scary and very real, as you're saying. Yeah, well, I hope she stays. Um, I mean, the doctors are our only hope. You know, the doctors and the nurses are our only hope. We're dependent on them, too, and the scientists. So, um, and, and any doctor who is in one of those wards uh, is my hero. Mm -hmm. As you were saying earlier, I was thinking about that. Obviously, we spoke before we started recording about how I'm also an actor. And, and you were talking about how there are some actors that are very self-involved. 
And, and that's what I was thinking as you were saying that, you know, I'm very aware that the doctors are the real heroes and um, the scientists and, and fire people and, and, you know, uh, but, but definitely right now the people that are on the front lines, those are the real heroes. I can't imagine um, being super self-involved and concerned about my acting career. It's very humbling. I feel very small and I, I you know, I'm very grateful for people like her and all of the heroes out there. Absolutely. Heller. There's a lot of like just anti-science like movement in the country, which is really disheartening and strange. You know, people that just think anything science is like evil or, or some type of lie or something. Those evangelicals now they have their opinion about <laughs> science, you know, and uh, um, and I'm not putting down anybody's religion. You can no, yeah, I understand. What you want. But um, I think that. Um, you know what I believe? I believe that if anything is going to bring down Christianity, because I don't think any religion lasts forever and ever, particularly. And I grew up a Christian, I guess you could call it that. My dad was not religious, but my mother was. Um, it's making the religion look, um, I won't say stupid, but, you know, not, you know it, it's really not doing it's it's not making the religion as respected as it was because of people not being able to integrate science and integrate the fact that people are sick people get sick you know i mean i you know i i can't believe that they're making it a religious um thing too you know anti-science is just stupid <laughs> yes yeah it was a nicer way than, than I said, but it's it's the correct way. It's, yeah. it's a great <laughs> quote, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> this will be a very weird segue from this conversation, but uh, do you, uh, what's what made you start with cabaret? Because I know it was something you did later in life. I, I had written all these songs, and there were many autobiographical like I have also one on my YouTube channel is called Facebook and it's a spoof on Facebook I know what you ate last week you know that kind of thing and uh, um, uh, uh, collard greens and I don't know I can't remember but anyway it's a it's a spoof so uh, I wrote one called uh, years ago called if Roy Rogers was my daddy because I had a crush on Roy Rogers when I was just a little bitty kid yeah. I see a theme in your music i like mike and roy rogers <laughs> so, so i uh had all these songs and i thought well what am i going to do with them oh i think i'll put them together in a one woman show and um did and got um uh, i had a country band by the way in 1984 playing a lot at the palomino club in los angeles and everybody played there um i mean i opened for lucinda williams a lot on the road and um uh that was a, a real coup because you know i just loved the music scene and i and loved being in the bar and singing with my band i know i sound like an old drunk but you know <laughs> i'm just keeping it you know, <laughs> I mean, to, play with to open for lucinda williams was a cool thing to do you know and uh so i um uh, played at the Palomino. So I had all these country songs. And then 
Um, and then I wrote, and then I got into some blues stuff and I wanted to put it all together. So I, um, years later, I quit doing that. And then I became a photographer because I was making good money as a photographer. So I didn't have time to do everything. And I was raising my, ch- my son and wanting to get him out of school. So um, photography is very lucrative for me. And um, so after my husband passed away, I put the music all back together and wrote a bunch of new songs and um, opened up at the M bar and it was packed. I played Vitello's and a lot of places around town. And um, it was just so much fun. And it took me away from the grieving that I was going through. And music is a very healing thing. And that's why I chose Music Cares for my birthday charity. Because um, without music, I, I can't even imagine life without music. And I'm not talking about my music. I'm talking about turning it on and lifting my mood up. You know, I, I, you know want, I, I, or even classical i love classical music i love all kinds of music and so i can't imagine life without it so it's i think it's one of god's greatest gifts is music and so um um that's how that you know i had all these songs i wanted to do something with them not let them sit there and rot i i I may make some music videos of some of them even if roy rogers was my daddy (laughs) <laughs> I get sued for the photos. <laughs> um, I, I would watch them. It's very cool. Uh, Joe here wants to know, uh, how did you get into photography and uh, do you still do it? Yeah. Well, my acting career had slowed down a little bit and, uh, well, no, a lot. And, um, and then um, how did I get into it? I was always, when I was a little girl, I was, uh, my daddy had bought me a brownie camera. So I was always shooting around the backyard and he would take the film and go get it developed. And, and then um, I, I had a dream. Now, this is true. What's your name that asked the question? What's his name? Joe. Joe. Okay, so I had a dream one night in the 80s that I was a photographer and I was in a studio. And I woke up and I said to a friend, hmm, I, I think I'd like to get a camera. And that friend bought me a, a beautiful camera. And I invited a couple of actor friends over and I said, can I just shoot your picture and let's see what happens. And I started off just with available light and um, an agent saw the pictures and called and asked a big agency in LA and called and asked how much I charged. And I didn't even know. And and I said, well, uh, I'll call you right back. And I called my friend. I said, what do you charge for headshots? And uh, Rosemary Alexander, wonderful actress. And she, she told me, and I went, okay. So I undercut her a little bit, called the agent back and went, okay, so I, I'll do it, you know, I don't know, $50 or something. I don't know, it was cheap. And um, before you know it, they were sending me all these people and I was shooting and then I got some strobes. Then I started doing fashion and then I, I, I went to Paris and shot there and London and Nashville doing a lot of um, uh, album covers and uh, that's how I started in a dream. I dreamed I was a photographer, and that's the truth. And wow. I, I hadn't really thought of that question, Joe, until <laughs> you just asked me. Yeah, good question. And he also wanted to know, is this something you still uh, do? Yes, I have a shoot on Monday. And I'm going to open up all the windows. I have a studio in my house. And I'm going to open up all the windows and put on a fan and wear a mask. And it's going to be a very fast one. I've already warned the client that, 
and, and it's a stranger. I don't know this person. And um, 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 if somebody calls me and I don't advertise, but if somebody calls me and asks me to shoot, then I'll do it, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm thinking of turning my deck onto making my deck a partial studio so it can all be outside so that everybody's nice. safe. Yeah. I'm a little nervous about having somebody in the house, but I'm going to really have it ventilated and yeah. I have a lot of windows in the studio. So I think it'll be okay. Yeah. You do so many things. No, she's like a Renaissance woman. Yeah, you, you really like are. Everything going on. Is there anything you don't do? I haven't ridden a unicycle this week, you know? (laughs) Yeah, my tap dancing is a little rough. (laughs) (laughs) Don't All right, that's your next thing. (laughs) You can work on it before your next experience. (laughs) I don't tap quite as well as I used to. (laughs) Juggling and tap dancing, not quite up to par yet. (laughs) Not these days, no. (laughs) They used to be, but... (laughs) Yeah. I did a play with Don O'Connor where we did do tap. He taught really? me some of the tap. That's rooms. awesome. Yeah, in the 80s. It was called Wally's Cafe. And Mickey Carroll, who was the mayor of Oz in The Wizard of Oz, oh, met, yeah, yeah. met up with us in St. Louis, Missouri. And the three of us, Donald on the left, uh, right, and Mickey on the left. And we did the Oz tap dance for the audience after the show. That's awesome. I love yeah. it. Yeah. When you talked earlier about, like, you know, uh, Welcome Back Carter and you're on Three's Company and Alice, and, uh, what was it like that time, uh, you know, the sitcoms to, to come on and work on a, a show that already has like an existing cast? So like they probably all know each other and then, you, you know, come in for, for uh, a guest appearance. Well, it's, it's hard work. And the set, the table read is what you do first. Let's just say the table reads on Monday and then you're going to shoot on Friday. It can be any, any day. It's about a five day process. And a lot of people get bumped on that first table read. If the chemistry doesn't mesh, you know, um, you might not, they may say, you know, um, thank you, but bye. And then they'll replace it with somebody who has a better chemistry with the cast. So you better do what you did at the audition and, and be focused and, and make sure that your table reading as well as you possibly can, because it could be short lived. It's, it's hard work. Sitcom is really hard work making, you know, the, you, you gotta make your mark and you, you can't look down to look for it. You know, you gotta, know where to stop and, and be aware of, in sitcom there's three or more cameras. So you, you know, there's something subconscious an actor needs to have in their head about where the cameras might be and what angle they might be picking up. It's not just learning the lines and, 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 um, and and saying them to another actor. There's a lot of technical stuff that if you're going to make it work really well, you want to not dwell on or, or, or take you out of your concentration for your character, but be subconsciously aware of where people are and, and, the, and your environment. You know, it, it's, it's pretty, it, it's pretty hard work. Uh, where can people follow you today? You're not well, back to, to your house here. But. 
Uh, okay. Instagram, Suze Lanier, S-U-Z-E-L-A-N-I-E-R. Twitter, Suze Lanier. And Facebook, Suze Lanier Bramlett. Bramlett may be attached to some of the others, too. Uh, before my husband passed away, he wanted to make sure I kept that Bramlett on there, and I do. Uh, I know that I did a lot of my horror work as Susan Lanier, and it's confusing. But today I work as Susan Lanier Bramlett, and uh, you can find me on all of them. And I just started TikTok. Oh, so, really? You're ahead yeah. of me here, yeah. So yeah, I only got a couple of them. <laughs> <We're Right. here. laughs> Get on there before the president bans it, apparently. I know. I've only done a couple of TikToks, but I think they're kind of fun. And, and my friend, uh, great director Brian Danley, said, oh, honey, you've got to do TikTok. And I went, what? all right. So four of them. God knows how many <laughs> end up. I'm trying to keep up. You know, it's not that, that easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember when uh, – because we are doing the show in 2006, and it was before, like, the social media stuff started to pop up. And I remember a friend of mine was like, oh, you got to get on MySpace. And I was like, I don't know, what the, whatever. And he made the MySpace. And actually, the guy who listens to the show made our Facebook page. So I should listen to people more because they know the trends better than me. But, yeah, it's something I think some people don't even think about either. Like, uh, just – if you're if you're uh, if you want your name out there, you do have to keep up with with uh, with social media. Even if it's not something you enjoy, you still have to have your name out there. Uh, you have to. I mean, lately people have been, um, you know, autographs for you or something. They send me pictures to sign because there's no convention. So I've been doing autographs for people if they go through them, and and that's nice. And then I'm doing cameo, you know, where I can give somebody a greeting if they want to do that. So. Um, just FYI, if you want me to do a cameo, I'm on cameo. And um, uh, Morgan Fairchild is a dear friend of mine, and she loves doing cameo. So um, anyway, so I'm doing that. And um, and then trying to figure out if this – I just heard on some show that this could go on until 2024. That's a long time. So um, I'm trying to figure out how to manifest – virtual into a, a way to stay vital and, and keep myself from getting depressed and not having any direction or creative outlet. Right. So I think it's important to be able to evolve and, you know, uh, as long as you can yeah. and, and as long as you're blessed to be here because right. a lot of people are being taken out and mm -hmm. I feel very blessed to still be here. Yeah, I mean, that's really why we started doing the show uh, video, because it was just audio, but it was, uh, for all of us, you know, it takes our mind off stuff when we do, and, uh, you know, it gives people something to, to watch and, and listen to and uh, get their minds off things, even if it's for, you know, an hour or two a week. I agree. I mean, um, the thing I miss the most is going to a bar and listening to music, you know, but I don't mind not driving in LA traffic. Right. So I will say that there's certain things about this. Um, I love Instacart and I love um, to do, or have my groceries delivered on the porch and I may never go back to a grocery store. That is <laughs> uh -huh. not my favorite thing to do. And uh, I love Grubhub. Just bring me dinner, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so I'm not opposed to all that. You know, uh -huh. you can have a martini. You don't have to drive home and 
you get to see your girlfriends and whatever. So I really think there's some positive, I won't say good things, but positive things about all of this uh, uh, that will stay with us even after a vaccine or a treatment is developed that is safe. Um, I believe that some of our lifestyle will keep some of this. So I, I think it's not all bad, and I try to look at it like that. Yeah. Like those cute driving gloves, right? Yes. I mean, I'll never touch another uh, shopping cart barehanded. Oh, no. No, no never, never. <laughs> no, I, and, and the one good thing about it is I've noticed that, you know, I would get a lot of uh, – I'm not a lot, I go to a lot of airports and stuff, and I was getting bronchitis some. I haven't had a cold or a bronchitis since, since I've isolated. Not so, on wood, yeah. Not on wood, yes. And, you know, and I'm thinking, it was everybody else's germs out there that I was picking up on. And, and so, you know, no, I mean, even foolproof vaccine, foolproof treatment, I will have on my mask and my gloves and I'm, I'm in, yeah, this is my new life. I don't, I don't want germs. Yeah. Yeah. None of us do. So uh, very good. And uh, this was really fun. It was awesome to have you on on the show with us. I've had a great time. I I would love to do it again. I like the idea of uh, you and Michael Berryman being on. I'll I'll work on that. That'd be very fun. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. I think he would be into it. And, um, um, and um, like I said, I'll give your regards to Brooke tonight. She's coming over for oh, dinner. Oh, very good. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate and that. that yeah. you. Yeah. You're, you're so not gonna, wise I'm gonna... and charming. Yes. Oh, yeah. I said you're so wise and so charming. Oh, thank you so much. So are you. And also, <laughs> I want to say um, um, maybe we can do more after Red Rooms this release. Oh, yeah, that would be oh, great. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. that. Yeah, I'm really gonna have a sing along next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's like all I'm asking. For. Too. I'm all, I'm all I don't ask for much. I just want to sing along. That's all. <laughs> Troy, you're so quiet. <laughs> well, no, I, it's only the important things I have to do. He's building up to the sing along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I've had a ball, and thank you for inviting me to be yeah, here today. Thank you for doing it. And, and, and oh, thanks for not telling Brooke to cancel her appearance. I'm glad that you... <laughs> no, I'm going to tell her how much fun you are. Oh, very good. Thank you. I appreciate oh, it. We all appreciate it. Yeah. Well, have a good night. Peace out. Wear yeah, your thank you so much. Stay safe, everybody. Night, everybody. Much love. Should I hit leave? Try and actually turn us off of Facebook. Oh, here we go. All right, so big farewell. Yeah. All right. All right. Good Good night, everybody. Good night. night. (laughs) From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. We should have listened. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming at night.
find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming, they're coming.